Okay, we've got Dr. Grant Garcia. Um, be sure to check him out at grantgarciamd.com. I don't know a simpler website for you guys to uh, remember. grantgarciamd.com. Go there, get more information. If you have any orthopedic needs, uh, Dr. Garcia, uh, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Great, great. Uh, last time uh, we uh, texted back and forth, uh, you were on holiday with your family. Uh, how's the family doing as you get ready for the holidays? And have you gotten the kids, uh, you know, some of the things they may have desired uh, for this upcoming uh, Christmas? Yeah, no, we, we're doing well, a nice relaxing time, uh, and uh, as much as you can during this time. And yeah, we're working on the uh, the presents. We know obviously Santa's got to figure some stuff out too. Um, but cause I know they will listen to this at some point. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're doing well. Great, great. Make sure you get that list to Santa. So, uh, Santa could take care of exactly. everything and the kids could just have a wonderful Christmas, um, as we head into the holiday season. Listen, you know, we've had a chance to talk about a lot of different things, you know, from, uh, you know, ACL and MCLs and, uh, Tommy John, uh, weekend warrior, so on and so forth. Um, today we're going to get into something that's a little bit, uh, I guess, different but the same and it's uh biologic treatments uh first and foremost what is biologic treatments well that's a good question it's a pretty large term but what we like to do is there's two main ones biologic treatments from yourself so can we take certain things such as prp or stem cells from your own body and then find that ways to enhance your 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 injury or repair process. The second thing is using that same biologic treatments. Um, again, using biology, using, you know, microbiology to understand how these things, different things work and using those from another source, uh, cadaveric or from, you know, amniotic fluid from, uh, those types of things. And how can we find a way to enhance those and then inject them back into someone safely and, and improve the overall function? When you talk about PRPs, uh, those are platelet-rich uh, plasmas, and then we talk about stem cells, and um, I've seen other things with bone marrow concentrate, and I'm not sure where HGH, uh, human growth hormones, play a part in this, but can you explain some of the differences uh, between uh, those treatments? Absolutely. This is a good topic. I love talking about it. Uh, we just gave a few talks on Providence and uh, Swedish Hospital on this, so this will be good. Great. Uh, so going through the different options, and again, we won't be exhaustive today just for time, uh, being time conscientious, but really to start with PRP. So you got your PRP is, uh, what it is, is there's certain parts of the blood, and one of them is the platelet portion, and the platelets put out a lot of different growth factors. And so what we do is we take that blood out of a person, the patient, spin it down in a special machine, and then we get this highly concentrated platelet portion. There's two types of PRPs that we use. One is a one with high white blood cells. That's called a leukocyte. That's the doctor term for white blood cells rich. And one is a leukocyte poor. The rich is the one we use for tendons. So patella tendonitis, you know, you, you name it, like hamstring tendons, like my man Dan Jones hopefully got. Uh, and for PRP poor, these tend to be more of the arthritis types. So someone comes into my office and has some knee arthritis. I offer this injection as one of the treatment options, and we've seen some pretty good results in both of these using this type of PRP. And you have to have a special machine to do the rich portion, but we have one that can do both, so that works out well. From the stem cells portion, there's a number of different stem cells we can use. 
you have ones from your own body. So perfect example you brought up with the bone marrow aspirate. That's the one that most of the professional athletes are getting. That's where we take the bone marrow from your pelvis or your hip bone or basically your pelvic bone. And uh, we spin that down and then inject it back into your knee or elbow or something else. Uh, you can take it from someone's fat. It's kind of like a liposuction. It's a little bit uh, more unusual process, but we do that and you can inject that back into the knee or shoulder. And then you've got bursal, which is like your shoulder, and then you can take some from the synovium. And finally, the one you probably hear about a lot, it's more mainstream for patients because any practitioner can do this one, is called the amniotic fluid. So amniotic fluid from someone when they're pregnant, they sometimes donate that, and they take stem cells from there, and you can actually inject it back in. That's the one that's from somebody else and not you, so that one tends to be a little bit more concerning for some people. Um, the most of the ones I do are generally from the patient, and it requires a little bit of a surgical portion. So are you talking about from the embryonic and the difference between uh, like an adult uh, uh, somatic cells? It, 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 are those the differences that, that you're discussing at, at, at this juncture? Yes. And, and you know, the thing is we don't, you know, unfortunately we don't always know what we're, what we're injecting in. We like to hope and the studies show that there are some stem cells in there that have had some differentiation, but they're not fully differentiated. But really the best way to think about this and from the, you know, you're going to, you could type this in online and there's millions of hits that'll tell you, you know, that you're going to regrow everything in your body if you get these injections, which is sort of false information, unfortunately. Mm. And it becomes a problem when you spend a lot of money on something thinking you're going to get this type of result. The way to think about these from the, you know, orthopedic standpoint is they're really potent anti-inflammatories. We have the best data on PRP. It tends to be my go-to for a lot of my patients. I do, you know, probably four or five of these injections a week, but I also am more of a referral center for that because I've had all these different talks on it. The stem cells is more, we talk about high-level athletes, you know, with bone marrow, if you can get someone back a day, a game earlier, like Dan Jones, you get him back in the game versus another day, you're talking about a huge economic improvement. Yeah. Is it worth it for someone to get, you know, one more week of less pain? Not always for some people if you're charging a lot of money for those. Um, and some of them are harder to do because they're, you know, the fat one requires you to have a surgical procedure. The bone marrow aspirate, it can be uncomfortable and hard to do in the office. The amniotic fluid tends to be the one that most practitioners use for their stem cells because it can be kept in the fridge and then you just pull it out and inject it. Um, you know, I, I kind of think back to the first time I started hearing some of these terms and you've heard it with some other athletes um, in the past. But really, the athlete that sticks out for me the most uh, was Kobe Bryant. Uh, I believe it was 2011 when he uh, flew back to Germany to have this uh, mm -hmm. PRP procedure done when he was having uh, knee, knee ailments. And it was kind of like shocking to a lot of people. Um, that outside, I guess, outside of the, the profession of what you do to say, uh, is he, what he's doing, is that l legal? Is that okay? What kind of treatment is this? And then, you you know, now it's a little bit more commonplace with, when it comes to a, a Tiger Woods or, a, you know, a Max Scherzer or, you know, any of these guys now, uh, just kind of reflecting back to when that happened with Kobe and you being in the field. What were your thoughts when Kobe went to Germany to, uh, to have this procedure done? Well, the interesting thing is you're always trying to figure out what's he getting done, you know? I mean, we, uh, in Europe, they're a lot more innovative. They're a little bit ahead of us. And so, you know, you always want to question, is this something that's going to be good mainstream for us or, you know, something that's going to have deleterious effects? Because, you know, we don't really know until it's been approved by the FDA here. Um, you know, I was surprised by that. 
Uh, what's interesting though on the Kobe thing, I mean, you bringing that up, and there's a Rod, and you know, you mentioned it, yeah. uh, Tiger Woods, and we talked earlier. Uh, is he did have the PRP, but he actually had something different, and we didn't talk about it in that first two things. He had something called orthokines, and this is still not approved in the U.S. But a lot of guys fly to Germany because the guy who invented it is in Germany, and it requires like five to six shots. Uh, and it's really expensive. It's by far the most expensive of all the three of them. But a lot of pro athletes swear by it. And so that's why they're coming out to that other place. You'll probably notice, or when you read in the news, it's far less going out to the Europe now to do these things because we have all the other options out here. Mm-hmm. And there are some clinics like in New York and L.A. that are approved to do that special type of injection. Um, but you, when you first hear about it, you're like, this sounds wild. And, you know, the, the, the only negative is you can see athletes like this getting the injections. And you have to realize these are superhumans, right? Yeah. I mean, Kobe Bryant's had a fracture of his knee. He's had an Achilles tendon rupture. And, you know, rest in peace now. But, you know, when he was playing, uh, he, was, he's, he could play with – he probably would play better than anybody you'd know with an injury. And so the fact is, that, did the PRP help him or is it just he's a super athlete type of thing? So you've got to be careful of some of the placebo effects uh, that these things can have. But there's definitely plenty of data to show that there's some of the things I mentioned are, are beneficial. And for pro athletes, I mean, there's low downside to most of these things. That's why there's not the concern sometimes is there's not as much regulation because you jack someone with PRP and it doesn't work. It's not going to harm them, which is a good thing. Okay. So my question here is um, PRP you want to use in conjunction with the treatment or surgery for whatever you're doing, not just a standalone. Am I incorrect in that statement? Um, you're partially correct. Okay. So the answer is that no, no, and 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 no, I'm not going to say you're incorrect in that sense because it's you're you you have it right in some senses. So the answer is, I use it both ways. Okay. So there are a lot of practitioners that just use it as PRP alone because they're not surgeons as well. That's the reason that part of my practice is a little bit more unique because I have the PRP biologics fellowship experience, but I also do orthopedics. So I'm able to combine them. And so that's what a lot of the team doctors do. They combine them in certain things, but they also use them in conjunction isolated. So like Achilles tendonitis, you know, hamstring thing, just like, you know, Dan Jones tore his hamstring. I'm sure they injected him right away. When we were on the White Sox, we injected a number of different pitchers that got, uh, had a strain of their hamstring or their Achilles, um, you know, UCL tears. So these, some of these guys are getting PRP injections with partial tears of their UCL. And then if hopefully they can get back to playing and 50% don't 50% do. And if they don't, they get the Tommy John, um, you know, if they have arthritis in their knees, they're getting it. You know, I think Bobby Wagner said he does a, a yearly PRP and cleanup type of shot. Mm. You know, that's probably for some early arthritis. I'm not sure. I don't have seen inside of his knees. Um, you know, there's epicondylitis and, you know, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow. But for the athletes, I mean, if any of them get an injury, they're getting, they have a PR machine, PRP machine in the Seahawks uh, training facility, and they're just spinning down and getting shot. That, that's amazing. So, that, so that's right on, right at the facility. Uh, so right away, so the doctors evaluate and they feel like if this is something that they, because like anything, right, in, in your profession, uh, time is of essence, right? Whether it's what you do in the office or if you're someone on the first on the scene in an ambulance treating that patient. So for these high-level athletes, uh, the second that they could determine that they might need this, they can spin that blood right away um, at their facility. Correct. Yeah. And, and I've done it in my office, but I mean, they don't, they don't have it usually in the stadiums, but they have it in the training facilities. So like at the Virginia Mason, uh, the VMAC over in Renton, they yeah. have one of them. And so the next day, let's say the game's on Sunday, they all meet at Monday and then they'll give the injection if they have a strain. Usually it works best for strains. 
So they're not going to put it for someone that had like, you know, a bad injury to their knee on the inside. But a lot of these guys get strains all the time you don't even know about. And so they're getting an injection to get ready for the next week. It's absolutely fascinating because, um, you know, the, the platelet-rich plasma is, is used in cancer patients, right? And, and we're seeing used in so many different areas. And now we're seeing mm-hmm. it being treated for these athletes. It's absolutely amazing and fascinating to me to see what your blood can do to help the healing process. Um, you know, just just kind of just talk about that a little bit more. It's just it's mind boggling to me. So the one thing you got to be careful of, and especially for layman person, is that while it does have a lot of benefits, it's also overused. Mm. And so the concern is that you have something like this that looks like a wonder drug, and it has a lot of good benefits. I mean, I would say there's a lot of people I can make better with doing PRP injections, and they can avoid surgery. But at the same point, there's a lot of people that come into my office that were turned the different direction or given the wrong information and were upset because they had something done or they paid a lot of money for something that didn't work. And so I have, I have just as many of those people as I do on the PRP side. The answer is that there's a lot of things we're finding about that. I mean, I have patients come in that had, for hair growth, they had PRP injections into their scalp. Wow. Uh, so, you know, there's different functions we're trying to do, and we're always trying to find a way, how can we use this new innovation or, you know, not new-ish, but uh, to make things better and help people improve their lives. The problem is that not every company, every group has the same machine. And so this gets a little bit tricky, and I don't want to confuse the audience with this, but there are certain machines that are better than others. And if you buy one that's a little more of an expensive machine, the quality is a little bit better. That's the one we have in our office, but they don't always have the same one. So the amount of PRP you get from each machine is different. And so there's way more confusion behind the scenes. Um, the one we tend to use more is the Arthrex one, and that's the one the Seahawks have. That's the one we use. Um, and that one, that's called the Angel. Uh, and that's the, that's the machine I think is sort of the gold standard. Um, but you know, that's one you to be careful of as well. You know, which, which office and what machines do they have and do they understand what they're doing? You know, cause sometimes you have people trying to, it's obviously a economic improvement to have this in your office, but you want to make sure you know what you're doing, right? You don't want to have someone injecting you. That's never even heard of this information. Uh, that that's incredible. That's something I've never even thought about. You know, you just, you know, stem cell and PRP and HGH and this and that and everything else. But you don't even think about the facility or the equipment being used, uh, you know, from an outsider kind of looking in. I would just assume that it was this a standard um, of, a, of the type of equipment uh, being used. So what advice would you give to someone that doesn't have, a, you know, athletic trainer, you know, like these athletes, but, you know, just the regular, whether it's Weekend Warrior or anybody else that over time has, you know, will need some treatment, whether it's a, you know, a knee or a hip replacement, whatever the case may be, and, and they're looking into uh, PRP treatments. What is some advice uh, for that uh, patient to, to look for or at least to ask the proper questions? So the first thing is having good information online. I mean, as we know, you can be deterred information-wise on blogs and things like that. The one thing that's good is you want to make sure if you can, if you have any type of background and any understanding of something medical or at least can read through the lines, you want to make sure you go to a, you know, either a hospital-based website. Um, I've got actually really good information on my website if they want to go to it. Um, I gave two lectures and they're all filmed with all the data listed there and you can see that and it's pretty it's pretty fallable a lot of my patients have been really happy with the information they've received and so that's helpful to have someone you feel is you can trust and that's got good evidence-based data because really what you want to do is you want them to give you evidence-based injections evidence-based treatment you know is there any research study that shows this is safe number one which most are safe and two is there any benefit to this being 
you know, uh, effective because sometimes some of these injections, 800 is a cheap injection. You can get up to $5,000 and that's a lot of money wow. to spend if it's not going to be effective, you know, especially when it's not out of insurance. I mean, the unfortunate thing is people come in asking, is this covered by insurance? And it's not. And so that's something to think about as well. Um, you know, and, and you want to make sure that you have a doctor that's going to do the right thing for you because there are a lot of times it's effective, but, uh, you want to make sure that you're getting the right treatment. Uh, I feel I feel it's a perfect segue to plug your uh, website there, GrantGarciaMD.com. Also, you can check them out at Orthopedic Specialist of Seattle uh, dot com. Um, what was the first time that you had any experience dealing with this? Um, you know, you've worked with uh, so many teams, the Bulls, White Sox, and the, the Giants, and the Mets, and the Knicks, and so on and so forth. You know, what was that first time that you really had some exposure with an athlete in this situation that you were just like, wow, this is uh, absolutely incredible that I'm, I'm doing this? Well, I can't remember a specific patient per se. I would say I did a fair amount at special surgery. Um, but at that time, you know, we're talking about a number of years ago, uh, that was, it was still innovative and they weren't like in the office yet. Um, and people did it less, more sparingly. But I mean, I ended up working with, uh, Brian Cole in Chicago, who's basically the, the leader on this. I mean, a lot of the articles I talk about, he developed and a lot of the athletes that I talk about, he's the Bulls team doctor. He's the guy that people fly out from all over the world to work with. And so seeing what he's doing with these athletes and how he's combining these fancy surgeries, if needed, with these biologics and then people in biologics independently, it's really where it was a game changer for me. And being able to speak about those things, I mean, if they watch the lecture I have online, the first thing I do is, you know, sort of give him a kudos for my, being my mentor uh, on this. And he's really the reason that I kind of converted into the situation where, like, how can I take my super specialized sports indications and also add biologics because there are lots of good indications for this and you can make people better and enhance your surgeries and enhance patients without surgery um, with these type of treatments. How do you make the decision or who helps you make the decision, whether it's your practitioner or not, um, between uh, PRP and stem cell? That's usually, I think it's a combination of things. One, um, it depends on the person. You know, if you have a high-level athlete, you know, and they're, and they're professional and they want, I know I kind of lean towards the stem cells just because that's been sort of the newer, the, the thing that people are trying. And you have to always talk about the economics. Again, if it's not a professional athlete, mm. things go to- a totally different direction. So pro athletes, stem cells is really what I start thinking about. Non-pro athletes, I try the PRP first. It's a little less expensive and has a little bit more data driven to it. Yeah. Um, and again, there's less of that, you know, oh, it's a one week difference versus two weeks because in a normal patient population, that doesn't matter. Um, and I, so I lean towards the PRP starting, but it also is a big discussion of like, Hey, you know, most of my visits, it's not a sign up the first day to go do PRP. It's kind of like, let's, why don't you take a look at my website? You know, my office has information on PRP, decide if you think this is right for you after what you hear, which is considered evidence-based and trying to be as truthful as possible, um, on that information. If you decide after that, it seems fair and you're willing to take that, you know, chance to try to improve your life without surgery. Um, then that's something that, that they'll end up doing. Where do you think the future of uh, plasma and uh, regenerative uh, medicine is uh, headed? That's a great question. So uh, the answer to this is the future is more. The future is that we're going to have better ways of doing PRP. We're going to find better ways of treating. I mean, you should see the online articles that are coming out now. I mean, everyone's trying whatever combo they can of PRP, more injections, combo injections, stem cells. What type of stem cells can we get? We just started to figure out a way to take... So during a shoulder scope, we clean up the bursa, which is like the, there's some tissue paper kind of stuff in your shoulder, and we found a way to extract stem cells from that. And can that improve rotator cuffs? 
Hmm. And so that's only a few years, and there's a system now that can do it. So I think you're going to have better biologics from the patients. That's one. Higher concentrations, so two. Better indications, so exactly what regimen, how far apart we can do them. And then finally, as we talked about before, better machines. Like, can we have machines that are just titrated to the best possibility and pulls out all the best things out of that? We're not there yet. And then standardizing it, you know? Can we come to have, we have multiple studies showing the exact same results? Because that's another problem you have. You know, you have so many people trying to get on top of the stem cells and PRP to learn about them, how we can make them better, but then they're not collaborating. Mm. And the data, one, you know, five articles will show positive, one will show a negative. And so people will harp on one or the other. And so if we can have more of those things streamlined, that's the future. But I think the future is going to be, you know, can we keep someone out of surgery as long as possible with biologics? And if we have to do it, can we do biologics and the surgery at the same time, but do a, do a less invasive surgery with biologics? And that's the future. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, uh, you know, less surgery, less cutting open and, um, you know, more that you can use your own body uh, to help you heal just seems like, you know, the things that you read about in a book, right? The the future of how things are is almost kind of like watching a sci-fi movie and, you know, they go in, you get scanned and yeah, all better. You know, the arm is fixed and everything is working right. Um, And hopefully we get to that point. the way the government has been in the past um, with these type of procedures, do you see it being um, just opened up more, less restrictive? You know, we talked about Kobe going to Germany because they, you know, he wanted to get certain treatment that wasn't being performed here. Um, so, do you see that now some of some of these things are starting to loosen up because they see the benefit of doing these type of procedures and hopefully procedures in the future? In some case, yes. The thing you have to understand, though, is actually they're becoming more regulated because mm. before PRP and stem cells have very few deleterious effects. Or what I mean by that is if you inject someone with PRP, the odds they have a problem or a reaction are extremely low, actually lower in some cases in my, in my practice than, you know, a standard cortisone injection or, you know, less than 1%. And so FDA was kind of like, yep, you know, it does, it's not going to harm you, but it may not improve you in certain situations. And same with the stem cells. Now we're finding out that because it's so, it's so economical for some groups to do it, especially, you know, non-surgeons and non-people that maybe not, don't know the indications as well, and there's all these stem cell clinics, they're starting to harp on that to try to protect patients. And so they're trying to find ways, can we regulate this, but regulate it enough that you still have full access, but that you don't have people, you know, offering to take you know, a $10,000 injection from you and promising you that you're going to have no more pain in your knee forever. Do you think that the fact that insurances are um, not covering this procedure right now, and I may be talking out of term here, so please correct me, but to my knowledge, they're either not covering it or not covering much of these treatments. Does that hinder or does that create a roadblock uh, for certain individuals getting these type of treatments? 100%. Uh, the answer is it's it's crazy they don't cover it. I mean, I, I understand the stem cell portion. I mean, we're talking about a much more expensive contraption, yeah. much less data than they are for the PRP. I mean, the data is blatantly obvious. Um, for certain things that PRP is better than cortisone injections or gel shots, rooster shots, whatever you want to call them. And I've talked about this number of times. And, you know, most orthopedic surgeons use PRP. Uh, and the problem you have is, you know, I have, I'm fortunate enough in the Seattle area to have a, a patient population that has ability to pay for it ma- majority of the time. Um, but there's patients that I can't offer it to because they're unable to pay the cash o- um, option. Wow. And that's really not fair to them because I think I can make them better. You know, I, 
I asked the patients, I was like, do you have a, is there a financial burden? If there is, if there's no financial burden, then the best treatment is this. But if there is, then we have to change our treatment option, which is not really, it doesn't make me feel good to do that. And, you know, I want to be able to give everyone the best possible care. Um, and I, I think insurance companies should pay for it. And, you know, but unfortunately, you know how it works. If one study shows negative and seven studies show positive, they'll pick the one negative study and not pay for it. It's just the way it works sometimes. You know, there's obviously little quirks here or there, but it's it's a, it's a challenge sometimes to get in right now with the COVID stuff going on. I mean, it's going to be hard for any insurance company to want to pay for more things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, I better not ask you any more uh, questions about insurance. I don't want you getting a phone call. Uh. No, no, I won't get fired up. I, I like insurance. I don't want anybody from insurance listening and hearing this like that. But the answer is it can be frustrating. I get to hear the other side where patients are upset because they can't get what they want. And they have, you know, they're, they're already in a financial struggle and then yeah. they have to deal with that too. So that's yeah. obviously, I have a, a sense, I'm sensitive to it. Especially with copay and especially if your doctor that actually cares about their patient. Maybe if we had a doctor that's the hardest part. that didn't care about a patient and you know that this patient is walking out of your office and that you're doing X amount of things to help them, but you have something else that you can probably present to them to even give them a better uh, quality of your life. And, you know, me just thinking you know, on my own, I just think of really as far as to, you know, maybe the elderly, you know, that they're already struggling with quality of life and maybe they're having some issues mm-hmm. with knees and things like that. And you're saying, man, I, I can help this person, um, you know, uh, do a little bit better uh, physically, you know, and unfortunately, especially when it comes to the elderly, um, there's a lot of people that, that are alone, that they have to maintain, they have to take care of themselves. So, um, you know, anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent here. Uh, you know, it, I guess it comes down to is uh, caring about people and want everybody to have uh, equal treatment, especially if it comes down to better quality of life. Couldn't agree more with that. All right, let's let you go. Dr. Garcia, man, it's, it's great to spend time with you. And uh, I hope uh, I hope Santa gets everything on the list and then some uh, uh, for the kids and for the wife. Uh, so I, I hope uh, I hope you have a, a great holidays and uh, and we'll get together and uh, come up with a new great show and new topic for uh, for the fan base. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. I wish you and your family the same for Christmas and uh, Santa and all the other non-denominationals out there as well. Uh, good holidays. Yeah. <laughs> got to keep it PC. Yeah, so. yeah, we got to keep uh, it. Anyhow. Check off all the boxes <laughs> for everybody. We love there, all there of you. you go, we love everyone. Just love I love everyone. all of you. Yes. I love all of you. Yes. But the answer is yes. Uh, you know, we're going to have a nice holiday. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get together before that and have another talk. Yes, we will. Uh, or show. But it's been, it's been great. And thanks for having me. And everyone have a nice, safe uh, next couple weeks. That's Dr. Grant Garcia, orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. Uh, Check him out, grantgarciamd.com. We talked uh, so much about his website and all the information that you can find there. So please, grantgarciamd.com. We appreciate everyone taking some time to listen to this show. I'm Will Sanchez, and we're out.